Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Welcome to the 132nd episode. How is that possible of Real Hawk Talk? This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Happy to be here tonight. Happy to be Wednesday uh, in the holiday season. Lots to look forward to. Lots to say goodbye to. <laughs> and uh, we've got a championship game coming up here. A division title on the line on Sunday. That's fun. That's a fun thing to be able to look forward to against against a rival. Not as hated as the 49ers, because, I mean, you can't hate anything more than you can hate the 49ers. But, but the Rams have been actually a tougher team for the Seahawks to play. And it's fitting that that's the team that's in front of the Seahawks and standing in their way of winning another NFC West crown. So going to get all into it. Um including some of the other news that isn't as, as jolly, but um, we will talk about it all. Uh, first person I want to bring in is uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, we've missed you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. I, I, I'm, I would say I was sad I missed, you know, last week, but everyone was so <laughs> grumpy. So I, I'm kind of glad that I'm back and hopefully can bring a little levity to the conversation. Well, yeah, I think um, there's a lot, number of people that wish you had uh, wish you had found your way onto the show uh, this this past Sunday. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're gonna get deep into that, but it is it is always fascinating. People are looking for different things um, in in uh, their Seahawks coverage, and some people want to hear the optimism and the just aspects of joy and happiness that go along with winning and being in the playoffs and all those good things. 
And other folks really appreciate raw, authentic emotion, um, whatever that might be. And it you know matches there. So we hope and try to bring all of that to folks. Um, next person we'll bring in, speaking of um, the wide range of emotions, um, is Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Uh, one of the most effusive, vo emotionally volatile people. Upbeat, I've optimistic. Yep, that's me. How you doing, man? Pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm on I'm on break from work for like a week and a half. Like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy about the state state of thing. You know what else I'm happy about? Don't know if it's gonna work out. It didn't work out this past weekend, but um, the my buddy that I share season tickets with, uh, I've not seen him for months. We have not obviously gone to games. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later and how the season's been a little different, but, uh, we've both been pretty careful and he's hopefully going to come over this Sunday and watch the game, which would be really fun. Um, awesome. we've been both really careful. Hopefully that's not a stupid thing to do, but, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to it if it works out. I think you're okay to have small controlled bubbles as long as people are being smart about it. Yeah. He actually is going to be in a bubble. I, I'm going to zip him into one. Um, oh, even better. Perfect. Yeah. Giant hamster wheel. <laughs> there will be just enough air to last long enough for the Seahawks to make him pass out before the oxygen does. Oh, man, that should just be what you do with all your guests. Like, <laughs> all right, everybody, you're coming over for two hours. And if you overstay, that's okay. it for you. That's <laughs> God, that's a great idea. You know, I've actually seen those outside of restaurants. People are like zipping That's into bubbles? these plastic bubbles. Um, and and I can't imagine that is more COVID friendly. Like I, I a, saw it's, that too, it's Brian. It's like a hermetically sealed container that someone's well, going to be breathing in for how long? And then you're going to so, put someone else in there? So that's so funny you mentioned that because I was reading an article about that like a week ago. They're really popular in Europe, but so everybody thought that it would like limit exposure from the outside. But it turns out that, you know, when you're in a group of like six or more people, in close contact, in close quarters, the chances are one of them has COVID. So the confined quarters make it actually uh, very counterintuitive. You're like hot boxing COVID. Like, <laughs> yes. I can't imagine. It's not great. Idea. It, I think it started out actually as like a trendy, like rich person thing of we're going to eat food outside when it's cold in like warm plastic bubbles. And then it turned into a COVID mitigation strategy and did quite the opposite. <laughs> Oh, you got to love the human human race. Uh, that voice, you should know it by now. That is uh, Evan Hill at Evan NSEA on Twitter. What's going on, man? I, I hear you're, you're heavy into uh, the liquids already. Yeah, I figure we're close to Christmas. Cheers, brothers and sisters. Uh, happy holidays. I'm glad you could join us tonight. I know, what is it? We're one day away from Christmas Eve. So, you know, anybody who takes the time to listen to our show, one day before Christmas Eve, we appreciate them. So absolutely. The, the only thing I do have to say is Nathan, I'm surprised you showed tonight, despite your Twitter comments. What were, what yeah. were his Twitter comments? I don't really follow Nathan on Twitter. Yeah, Nathan's an <laughs> asshole, so that's sure. not surprising. Sure. Uh, it turns out I'm not actually scared of you, so here I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so <laughs> speaking of Twitter, um. Uh, so we're not going to talk a lot about the Washington game. 
I, you know, I think I think we can come back to it as as we we choose to. And and Dana, you you got the least opportunity to talk about it, so feel free to what Washington game <laughs> to violate that, that never happened that, uh, order. I well, okay, I want to talk about positive things. <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about the Washington oh, game because you provoked me, you little ass. <laughs> so so I will say that. I went the, the the farther I've gotten from that game, the better I feel about it. I think I'm in the same boat. Really? Because I thought you were in the opposite boat. No, over the well, I was initially. Yeah. But like over the past couple of days, the more I've thought about that game, uh, I think there's some really important positives to take out of that game. Like what? And I to me, it's the offensive line play. Yeah. That was one of the best if not the best defensive line slash pass rush in the NFL. Um, those were hard words to say for some reason, but you know, they, that was a, that was an offensive line without Brandon shell, <laughs> which we were all petrified about. And, you know, for them to hold up the way that they did give Russ the time and pass pro that he needed. I don't think he got sacked on Sunday once that's huge. Like, especially when we're talking about playoffs and, and, you know, playing better defenses, Washington is going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL that they, that they play. So it doesn't, my initial reaction of the fourth quarter being infuriating hasn't changed, but there, I think there are some really important positives to take away from that game. Yeah. I, I mentioned in the post game uh, and, and even with the onslaught of uh, frustration, we were all sharing, um, I thought Cedric Abwehi played well, and um, so did Pro Football Focus. I mean, I think they gave him a. Would you like to apologize to Cedric for the sure. Cedric slander? Sure, I, I, I thought he was, I mean, <laughs> unplayable in the Eagles game. I thought I, I don't honestly don't remember him making a single block in that game. I just remember every time him getting run past and Russell having to move all sorts of ways. Uh, I'm mostly just giving you shit. No, I mean, but you're was, right. I was super hard on the dude. I mean, he, and, he outperformed and I, all of our expectations. But this is this is the thing we always talk about in this show. We are all extremely happy when someone proves us wrong in a good way, right? Like, I will never, ever be upset for a Seahawk that I have dogged to make me look like an idiot. It's not hard to do, but I'm always happy when they do it. You know, like, the more, the better. So, um he may get another chance this week. Um, Dana, mm-hmm. anything on on the on the Washington game that you wanted to uh, to bring up before we, we we move forward? Well, you know, I I just obviously I wasn't as, as upset with the game. I, I think we all talked about that in our chat afterwards. I'm like, it's hard to be upset when you win your tenth game. You know, it, it's and get to those double digits and 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 I know it wasn't what people wanted to see we got we saw the dominance that they could do against the Jets and so we weren't getting that but if you go back and look at it I think actually it it was played the way it should have been played you you know Evan you said they I was thrilled for three quarters right like the first three quarters you're thrilled well what if that fourth quarter had been the first quarter and then the last three quarters you'd been thrilled with you would have been happy because they finished strong. It's the same thing. They were still real good. They were still. Sure. Um, I get your point. I don't want to see That's great. You know what I mean? Point. Yeah. We spent yeah. last year complaining like hell that this team could not start the game. And we were 
blaming it on Pete and blaming it on Russell that they this whole can't win the game in the first quarter and they kept just waiting for these last second comebacks and was that by design and why can't Russell get started early and why can't Pete just try to win early and then they've been actually a faster starting team this year but they've really struggled at the end of games like they've had to hold on to leads in a lot even when they're five and oh it was like Mm -hmm. hold on for dear life um in the fourth quarter of those games so it is interesting that the results a win, but, but uh, I, I think I can't speak for Nathan. I actually, I want to hear from Nathan on this too, but I think the frustration for a lot of Seahawks fans is like, play the complete game. Like there's no reason Fair. this team has to be the one team in the one good team. They are a good team. The one good team in the NFL that can't just play complete games against inferior opponents. Like when they have them down and uh, you know, they got, we got one against the jets, but like, this was a game that, easily could have been my prediction i wanted to be my prediction dana i predicted 27 to 7 and that seemed really crazy that, that when i made that prediction everyone thought i was nuts but i was like yeah that's what's going to happen here and then it didn't happen no and i and i get i get the people's frustration you can't get four quarters but we got three at least it wasn't a tale of two halves you know what i mean i i, I try to look at the silver lining on that but the other thing that was impressive to me and everyone who knows me knows I'm a defense lover. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not always all about the offense, um, which is unusual for most football fans. But I liked that Russ did not make this about him. He, that he was, uh, he seemed to be happy w- enough with the win, even though he had what, one of the lowest yardage games he's had in his whole entire career. That This was about playing you know, a game against a very strong defense and how are we going to, without Brandon Shell and without, you know, some of the other people that were injured, how are we going to make this work? I was, I was kind of impressed with the game plan that they were just like, had to be fast, fast, fast. Now, did it always work? No. Were there problems with it? Yes. Was that interception infuriating? Absolutely. But I just think that it was, the game plan was okay for the opponent that they were facing. And, um, and I, I was just pleased that they managed to win um, and I say managed to win, not because I think Washington was such a great football team, but because they could have stumbled again, like they did against the Jets or the, excuse me, the Giants. Yeah. Nathan, there was one comment that Russell made. I don't know if it was after the game, like immediately, or it was the next day. I can't remember when it, he said it, but he was talking about that, you know, we've now shown we could do the, the quick game. We can run the ball. Um, we've, you know, I, and I think what he said is what, what I really want is for us to be able to bring it all together. Um, you know, have the deep passes, have the quick passes, have the run game and, and be more challenging. And interestingly, to start talking a little bit about this Rams matchup, Brendan Staley, is it Brendan or Brandon? I think it's Brandon. Brandon, I think. I don't know. I'll look it up. <laughs> I've done my homework. Clearly. Uh, I know how to spell them, but not how to, how to write them um, or just pronounce them. So um, he even said this offense is more complete than the one we played the first time. So I'm curious, like what is, I saw that little, uh, little sideward glance um, at that quote. Um, and everyone wants to know like you, your opinion on this, especially with the, you know, void that keeps showing up in your beard where we're being transported. Do I still keep dimension. disappearing? No, oh. you're good. You're good. Now. Okay. Okay. But it's, it's become a chat topic. Um, uh, Nathan's beard hole. Disappearing beard. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, 
I don't know that they've shown they can do really effective quick passing. Um, they can pass quickly, but can they do it in a way that makes the offense good? No. Like, yeah, they passed really quick against Washington and they didn't take any sacks and their passing game sucked. So, like, you can pat them on the back. And this is kind of the thing, like, with Russ, you know, going back forever, right? Oh, he holds on to the ball too long. Oh, he tries too much to do the big play. Well, like, I think against Washington, you saw a little bit of why that's not a negative all the time. Like there's a balance there for sure. And he takes some bad sacks. Right. But like the passing game was bad. Right. I mean, this was a, this was a Colt McCoy, like Kirk cousins esque, right? Like it, it wasn't good. You know, passing for four and a half yards per attempt, 121 yards, you know, it's just not very effective. And so I don't know that they've shown that they can pass quickly. Well, I do think his overall sentiment, though, is right. You know, they need to bring it all together. They they can clearly do short stuff. The it's they need to to mesh that in with the the more effective, the big the bigger play stuff, right? Pushing the ball downfield, the stuff that they've been good at for a long time. And you know, their running game is at a point now where it's actually super effective. So if they can figure out anything on offense uh, in in the passing game, um, you know, they they could potentially be a very good offense again. But yes we just haven't seen that for weeks that's, now, really. that's the promise i would i would um present the jets game even the jets defense as it is as an evidence of them doing quick passing well and and being effective with it you know you could, it would be harder to make that case if the the rams hadn't just struggled to score um against that same defense when you put 40 points up so i agree it, 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 it while the washington game was not the game to crow about quick passing being effective, but, um, but it is, it is another piece. And, and it, the way it looks, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like they've got their hot read first down kind of offensive game plan that they're just using for every single down and every single situation. So it feels like this portion of what should be a, an offensive package that, that they're kind of making a whole game plan. And, um, We'll see. We'll talk. I mean, Pete, Pete is like a pig in slop um, right now. So he is, he's pretty happy about that, but we'll talk more about that. Um, Let's, let's talk about this Rams game though. I mean, this is the game. This is the game to focus on. There's a lot going on um, both sides of the ball for both teams. Um, And Dana, let's start by doing this. Um, I think, you know, you obviously for our turf cover more than just the Seahawks and, um, uh, I think that there's some stuff around the Rams that, and the Rams coverage that you'd shared with us. I think it'd be interesting to share with, with uh, the audience. Why don't you, you take it from there? You bet. So I do, I covered the um, NFC, the entire NFC West and the AFC West. And um, so I, I feel like I'm very lucky in the fact that I have a lot of diversity in my timeline and I read a lot about a lot of different teams. And I ran across this day, although I will say when I was reposting the Pro Bowl, um, the, from each team who made the Pro Bowl and I posted the Cardinals one, I got an immediate response that said, Dana, is that a cry for help? Did someone can kidnap you? Because I put the Arizona Cardinals out there. I thought that was real funny. So thanks for that. But um, so anyway, there was an article written today. Um, and so it's um, from um, Fansided. It's the Ram site on Fansided, which actually is a really good Twitter feed if you guys um, ever decide you want to go check them out. They, they are pretty level-headed guys, I enjoy them. This is not an invitation for our listeners to go troll them because I really do enjoy their stuff. So please don't go do that. Yeah, don't but, do that. um, so interesting. 
Yeah, fair. That's fair. Then go right ahead for that one. But so anyway, they put out an article today. Um, it, it was titled the LA Rams defense is an, is the Oz tin man. It never replaced its heart. And so if you go through the entire article, um, it just kind of gives a, a information about how they just feel like they're hull. But this was what I found so interesting. It says the LA Rams are now discovering the same ailment that has affected many other NFL teams this year. The team's roster is slowly depleting a siphoning of talent that has been compensated with almost no response, a slow drip drop leak that left unattended empties the pool or perhaps more akin to the wizard of Oz, a tin man, a tough metal character on the exterior who, but who was hollow on the inside as he did not have a heart. And the whole article goes on and I won't read you the whole thing. I just really found it interesting. If you read it, they are starting to realize the flaws in their team, which is rare in the NFC West. You know, that's just not the mojo of the fans here. And I thought that that was interesting because if you read that article and a couple of the comments and, and some of the things, um, other articles today, they are as nervous to play Seattle as Seattle is to play, as Seattle fans are to play the Rams for the same reason. I think they see each other's strengths. They know how these two teams play each other. And they are now not near as confident as they were. A loss to the Jets will do that to you. So I get it a little bit. But at the same time, I think that there was a lot of valid arguments in there that Seattle, outside of the fan bubble, is still considered a pretty dominant team, especially within this division. And so I just found it really interesting that while we talk about, oh, the Rams and we lament and Sean McVay and all that other good stuff, that they, we get, they, they, they feel a lot of that too for Seattle. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Evan, I mean, <laughs> I look at that Rams defense. I don't see any hollow aspect to it. I mean, and they're pretty healthy too. I mean, they lost Taylor Rapp and Micah Kaiser. Mm -hmm. Those are the two guys. And from what I've seen, you talk to Rams fans and, and you look at PFF, the guys that replaced them, Troy Reader and Nick Scott, mm -hmm. played pretty good. In fact, some people think that when Micah Kaiser comes back, that he should lose his starting job. So, mm -hmm. like, do you see like weakness in that Rams defense? Not in their defense. My concern is not uh, Mike. Let me rephrase. Sorry, all of my concerns and anxiety around the Rams is with their defense. I'm not scared of Jared Goff. I'm not scared of their offensive line. I'm not scared of, I'm not even scared of their receivers. I'm really not like Cooper cup. Uh, the other one, I forget his name. I'm just not, they're good slot receivers, but they're not super impressive. Um, the Rams, they're a really strong defense. Like they're number, I think four in defensive DVOA when it comes to pass defense, number seven, when it comes to run defense, uh, Aaron Donald is having a monster year. He leads the league in sacks. I'm pretty sure he's at like 12.5 Jalen Ramsey has been an absolute monster for them. Um, the biggest concern to me is Russell has really struggled, struggled against elite secondaries this year. And the Rams were one of those teams. So we'll see what happens, but I, that defense is of major concern. Let me do this. Yeah, the article does just disagrees with you. Yeah, it's so, so Dan, you know the article well. We're mm -hmm. going to do this. We're going to play a little game. We are all Los Angeles Rams fans for the next five to 10 minutes. Well, I know you've been a Sean McVay, McGenius fan for a while. I know. For some so. of you, this will be easier than others. <laughs> um, 
And Dana, we're going to start with you on this, okay. and then Nathan will come to you next. Um, you're a Rams fan. You desperately want the Rams to win the division. Mm-hmm. What are you worried about in this game? Um, in the entire game or on their defensive side? The entire game? Yeah, well, like you're a Rams fan. What okay. is keeping you up at night about this game? You guys are not going to like my answer to this, but Russell Wilson should make everyone nervous because we know any given day he can mm-hmm. just light the whole place up. You know what I mean? I know you guys have been real down on him lately, but he's still Russell Wilson. So we have to keep that in mind. So that's a given. Um, I think after watching last night's game, and I was telling Nathan before we started recording that I actually just tonight sat down and rewatched the Jets um, Rams game to kind of just get a feel of that. And if I'm a Rams fan, I'm scared to death of my line and my quarterback against Seattle's line, their linebackers, and then Jamal Adams. I think that that, and, and of course Dunlap, because, you know, he is my favorite player right now. So, so I think that's what it's got to be. It's got to be, it, they've got to be afraid of Russell Wilson and then afraid of their own quarterback at the same time. Nathan, longtime Rams fan, back to the Dickerson days. I mean, like, I I think, what was the quarterback back then? I've got his picture in my head, but I can't remember. Um, Anyway, what about this game makes you nervous as a Rams fan? Uh, I mean, yeah, Russ. um, Chris Carson? No, probably not. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm probably worried about my own team i mean i they just lost to the jets so you know that would be worrying me as a rams fan and jared goff is my quarterback that would just be a constant state of terror for me uh and i mean the seahawks i mean they're disappointing right now but they're a quality team right like whatever is going on with them they're not they're not the jets uh so uh you know i I think that's really where i would be as a rams fan i don't think that there's anything like oh seattle this one thing right i mean like that i don't know where where that would be it was jim everett by the way uh thanks to the person in the chat that was the name i was looking for uh i as a longtime rams fan know these things uh evan you just said you're you're all worried, you know, about this, you know, you feel actually let's flip it around. You're feeling really good about this Rams defense. You're feeling like good. Yeah. But are you feeling good enough that you're not worried about Russell Wilson as a Rams fan or not worried about DK Metcalf or the run game or anything? Like how do you, what are you worried about as a Rams fan? I'm gonna say something that is going to piss off Nathan to no end. Yes. But I'm gonna say it because I th- I, th- I think it's true in recent context. If They're I'm not a scared Rams... of Jason Myers, Evan. They're not scared of him. 61-yard field goal, baby. Last time hey, they played. It's been like multiple years since he missed a field goal, bitch. So um, I am more worried about Chris Carson than I am Russell Wilson in this game. Wow. Do you think that's how Rams fans feel? No, because they've been burned by they've been burned by Russell in the past. But they're not watching the games every Seahawks games every week, and they haven't seen how Russell has performed over the last six to seven weeks. Uh, it's no secret. I think all the advanced analytics said it. Uh, Seattle's run game was far more effective than their passing game last week. Chris Carson was excellent. Um, 
their run game is just far more effective than their passing game right now is Seattle's is. So I'm, I'm more concerned with Chris Carson. He, 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 I, I felt, you know, what did they, he averaged like some insane yards per carry against, against Washington, but I'm worried about that. And then I'm also worried about the Rams offense. I mean, Jared Goff struggled mightily against the jets. He threw a couple of picks, a fumble, just looked really, really bad. People were calling. I don't know if you guys went to the Rams subreddit afterwards. They were calling for Sean McVay's head after that game, like fire up type of stuff. Uh, Jared Goff has been really inconsistent for them, inconsistent for them this year. That's not a surprise, but it's a reality. So those are, the, those are my two main concerns. It's Chris Carson and our offensive production as a Rams fan. Yeah. I, to me, if I'm, you know, as a Rams fan, I would be most concerned about the Seahawks pass rush. Um, mm. The Rams pass protection has been really good, like really, really good. But the Seahawks pass rush has been, if not the best in the NFL, top five in the NFL for the last six, seven weeks. And Jared Goff, when he's under pressure, is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Unlike Russell, who actually remains a relatively functional quarterback when he's under pressure, Jared Goff basically rolls up in a ball in the fetal position. Mm -hmm. But before he does it, he throws the ball to the other team or fumbles it. Like, he is awful. His passer rating when under pressure, 45.6. 45.6. This is a really bad quarterback when things don't go well. He can be an excellent quarterback when they do. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing. Cause as a Rams fan, I'm feeling like, yeah, our defense does pretty well against everybody, but our offense. And I know this from both watching and talking to other Rams fans they are sick of this offense standing in the way of what would be a potentially dominant team. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of concern and basically I think they sink or swim with the play of Jared Goff. And that's a, that's an unnerving thing. Now, did you guys watch the game at all? Did Not you the full watch game. That game? No. So if, if you watch it, it was most, and to go along with your point, Brian, it was baffling to watch Jared Goff in the pocket. He could not settle for the life of him. Every single play, he'd go back and he's tapping. He never looked settled in the pocket. He never looked like he planted his feet. He looked completely lost half the time. And that's even when the line was holding pretty well for him. It's it, this, it just seemed like he was completely baffled by the defense he was looking at. And that was the Jets defense, which I'm not saying they're horrid because the, of the two sides of the ball for the Jets, the, the defense I think is the better side, but he just looked completely lost. And I think it was one of you guys in the chat said, that's how it's been for the last few weeks for him, that he has just been a disaster. Let me, let me piggyback off that for mm-hmm. a second. So on the flip side of the offense, their run game, at least per DVOA is ranked number one in the NFL. Okay. That's the rushing offense. Uh, Cam Akers has been pretty good for them. And that's one injury we actually haven't talked about yet. Cam Akers is out this Sunday mm-hmm. for the Rams. That could be potentially pivotal. Can I show you guys something really quick? Mm-hmm. Sure. 
So we're talking about the quarterbacks and, and I just have to show this because this, this is, is this going to pay me? This is crazy to me. This is crazy to me. Like, <laughs> and it might, it might pain you, but let me share this for a second. So are you guys seeing this? Mm-hmm. Oh God. So this is a site from Ben Baldwin for folks who haven't seen it. Really great if you want to see advanced stats, EPA, and, and those pieces. This is basically charting EPA per play on, on uh, the vertical axis and completion percentage above expected on the horizontal. Honestly, I kind of throw this one out a little bit. I, I know there's stats that say that basically this is, does this person complete throws that are really tough to complete? Like, um, and Russell historically is really strong on that front. Mm-hmm. Look at these two. And this is since the this is since the two last played. This since the 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 teams played. So this is just week eleven onward. This is not for the full season. Jerry Goff and Russell Wilson have essentially been the same quarterback. So have uh Taysom Hill and Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. Like, like <laughs> that's not good. Kirk Cousins has been better. Yep. I mean, I mean, cheer for Kirk Cousins this week. We need his help. <laughs> but, but like, um, this is a guy, I mean, Russell had been up here, right? And so I think that uh, mainly the reason I'm bringing it up, besides, besides the point, I think it's crazy that those two are anywhere close to each other because I don't think they're anywhere close to equivalent players. It's one to show that, that I mean, Russell has been struggling. Um and two, maybe a little bit more with the point that Evan was bringing up. And, and to Nathan's point as well, the run game has been the stronger part of the Seahawks offense for the past few weeks. Now, it doesn't mean that the pass offense is not needed for them to win. But I think if you're a Rams team, I think you got to look at shutting down the Seahawks run game um, if you can yes. and feel pretty good about your secondary. And the Seahawks run game has not just been better than the Seahawks passing game. The Seahawks running game has been legitimately good. It's been a positive, like EPA or Chris Carson, at least has had a positive EPA per rush. Uh, and, and not just barely either. Like he's, um, he's been running really well. This, this running offense has worked really well. So, you know, there's, are we all hearing the same thing right now? No, I'm waiting for I was just to about to say, like I'm like moving back <clears throat> from my screen. We so, okay. The thing about the whole running versus passing thing <laughs> is that running is running should be measured the same way passing should be measured, right? And there, there's no, there's nothing, and we can talk about this too, right? Seattle, Chris Carson is back. Seattle is running well. Russell Wilson looks like shit, right? Like this idea that there's some relationship between running and passing, like it just doesn't really seem to exist. That doesn't mean that running is just bad, right? Running has typically been less effective, but Seattle right now and like uh, Baltimore last year, right, is running at a really effective pace. Um, not as effective as a really good passing offense is, um, but still nothing to sneeze at, right? And so, like, we should probably be talking about that more. That the running game is legitimately uh, a big positive for this offense right now, and. Without it, I mean, I think it's very easy to see them losing, you know, a couple more of these games that like to, to Philly and to Washington. Yeah. No one's so- ever allowed to in the audience, listeners, chat. No one is ever allowed to claim Nathan Ernst is a Chris Carson hater ever again. I mean, I still don't know how much Chris Carson 
like matters in how effective that offense the running offense is like i way to embarrass me immediately a huge portion of that credit to the the offensive line but like look it's working right i mean whatever it is it's working the running attack is effective yeah and And not just about running attacks it's effective for like any type of play well and and you know what's interesting about that nathan is epa is the measure i think you're using to determine whether it's been effective epa is opponent agnostic and so um Uh, they've also faced two good run defenses the past two weeks and run all over them. The Jets, people don't realize that the Jets have a better run defense than even Washington. Um, and the Seahawks have run for almost 200 yards against both the Jets and Washington. So I think to your point, they're doing it. They're doing it in an effective, efficient way, and they're doing it against good defenses. That's a positive. That's something that hopefully you can build on. Um, you also just hope that they don't crawl into a shell and only do that. Like they're going to need to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more varied to, to beat this Rams team. And, and let's, let's start talking about that. Let's start talking about the formula. You are coach. You are the coach. We've spent a lot of time, a lot of time criticizing how these coaches plan for their opponents. You guys know the Rams pretty darn well, right? Like we've, we spent a lot of time talking about them, watching them in some cases, admiring them out your window at night. Uh, I'd like to hear from each of you. What is your formula? What, what do the Seahawks need to do in order to beat the Rams? What do they need to do? Well, how does it need to look? And don't, don't give me the, they need to score 35 points and Russell needs to, you know, be a perfect passer rating. Like, of course, if those things happen, they would win. But like, what are the things that matter most um, in winning this game? And, and Dana, I'd like to start with you on this one. Um, I think uh, consistency. Um, it, it's, and you're probably going to say that's like me saying rotation when I was talking about the players earlier in the season. But I think that what we need to see is, is consistency from Russell because we've seen hot quarters, cold quarters. We've talked about that. Um, I do think we need a strong run game And, but I think most importantly, and it's so obvious, you have to contain Aaron Donald. Really, if you remove him from the game, it changes everything. And I think this line can handle it. I say that because I don't think, I still think he's the best player in football. So I I really do. But so I think I would like to see, I, I think I would like to see a few more deep balls from Russell. I would like to see a ball not pop off the hands of DK Metcalf. That's infuriating to me. Um, but I do think that I, I, while it pains me to ever, you know, be rude about Russell Wilson, because I think we are extremely lucky fans to have him. I think that we do need to see a little more consistency out of him. Um, and a little more, um, of the flair that we had in those first couple of weeks, because that first game between the two of them, I mean, these are different teams now. And I think that that game was still pretty close because they always play each other pretty well. But I think if we can get some of the, what we saw out of Russ in that first game with an improved defense, I think that that would probably be it. Evan. Yeah, it's two things. The Rams love that too high safety look. I think I saw a stat this week that the Rams are number one in terms of defensive formation, running that too high safety look. You've got to attack the middle where Russell has, you know, historically struggled. You've got to attack the zone gaps. So that's, that's critical. Get that short to mid, uh, you know, mid passing game going quickly. Um, and then number two, you've got to get to Jared Goff. You, you've got to rock him. You've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to put him in the dirt. You've, 
I, I think the sat the 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 Rams have given up like uh th- I saw this stat yesterday. And I want to like recount it. It was like three sacks per game over the last four games or something mm-hmm. like that. And every time Jared Goff has struggled. If Seattle can do what they've been doing, the pass rush has been red hot since I think it's week eight onward. Um, ESPN had a stat today that came, a new stat that I've actually never seen before. It was like quarterback takedowns, which is, I don't know if that's a sack or a quarterback hurry or both or hit or all three of those combined, but regardless, Seattle's top five in that stat since week eight. And I think that only matches the eye test that we've seen from the pass rush. So I think it's those two things attack those middle gaps when it comes to the offense, get Russell in rhythm. And then number two, they've got to get home to Jared Goff. Nathan. What needs to happen for the Seahawks to win this game? Yeah, I think I have two things, too. Uh, the first is they need to score 35 points. Yes. And then the second is Russell Wilson <laughs> needs to have a perfect passer rating. You. you. I think that will really kind of cinch it for him, you know? You think that they need to have more points than the uh, opponent, that if they do that, they'll win? Uh, that's always a good way to go about it. Yeah, I, I mean, right. that's probably safe. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean that seems like a very safe, conservative Pete Carroll approach to it. So I Less think we could very likely see that. Fifteen turnovers, probably a good idea too. I mean, if you can force them, you don't want to give them. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be up for fifteen turnovers. Sure, that'd work too. Would you like to give a real answer? Um, that was his answer. <laughs> <laughs> So the question is just what, what do they need to do to win? What do, what do you think the key the keys are? Like what what are the what's the formula that equals the Seahawks win um, in this game? Um, doesn't have to be things they control either. I mean, I I think I, I don't know. I I think the the you know as, if you can contain Aaron Donald, right? Like Dana was saying, I, I think that's always huge, right? Um, I don't know. I don't have a really like. Uh, I don't have an interesting answer here. Like Russell Wilson has to play better. He just has to play better. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that this team we, we've gone, we've, it's completely flipped, right? Like in the beginning of the year, it's like, okay, what do you need to do? What, what does this team need to do to feel a lot better about like the Super Bowl chances? And it's like the defense just has to play better, right? They just can't be a huge Steve. They can't be a huge problem all the time. Well, they're not anymore. Now it's Russell, right? And Russell's a huge problem. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, h- how you play Aaron Donald and how well you contain him and right. Do you let him just wreck the game on his own? Um, but I think it's really simple. I think that they just need to, um, find their passing game and, and just be, uh, you know, at least okay there again, because this has not been an okay passing attack, right? It's been, it's been bad. And so, um, that's really, I think what it will come down to. Now, do you think that it would be good if they got 50 or more pass completions and rush attempts in this game? Uh, well, you know, Washington, I think, hit that mark last week and did not win. Okay. So that feels yeah. like just a coin toss. Fascinating. So, so yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what the, the ones that you guys brought up. I, I'd build on it a little bit here. So, so first thing... Uh, I joked about turnovers a little bit, but I think turnovers are absolutely massive um, in this game. And the Seahawks, um, I believe, are negative five in turnover uh, plus minus in the last like six weeks, seven weeks, something like that. Like they have been giving the ball away and not taking it away enough. And so in this game, and if I had to just pick one, 
it is don't turn the ball over. Don't give the ball away. Um, and so for, for better, or for worse, um, Russell Wilson has been the source of almost all of the Seahawks turnovers this year. And that's somewhat typical for a quarterback, obviously from an interception perspective, but Russell generally has been one of the least intercepted quarterbacks in the NFL. That hasn't been true this year. He's actually one of the most intercepted quarterbacks in the NFL from a percentage of attempts perspective. That can't happen. And, and this, I would argue that his last game against the Rams was maybe his most egregiously bad in terms of decision-making that play where he had a potentially a touchdown. If he ran at least the first down and decided to throw across the field to get picked off by like that. I don't know if you guys remember the score was 17 to 10 at that point, Mm -hmm. the Rams were just up by a touchdown. Like that was a massive, massive play. And he just boned it. Like, I mean, that was, there's no reason for that. And it's not something that, that that's a kind of play that Johnny Manziel would make, you know, like, you're just like, ah, idiot. That's not who Russell Wilson is. So like, ah, that can't happen. And even Derek and I were talking about that, this a little bit um, on chat this week, everyone was saying that pick this week against Washington. Well, that was a fluky play. It's not really Russell's fault. It's not Russell's fault, but he had multiple decisions he could make on that play. He could have thrown it earlier in the pocket. He could have thrown it away when his reads were not there. He could have pumped fake. He could have, once he was rolling out, chosen to throw it away then because he decided the risk wasn't worth the potential reward. He decided against all of those and took a higher risk that he knew there was a chance the guy could make a play. He's not blind, but he didn't think he was going to. So he's making decisions that aren't the calculation in his brain about the risk versus reward, which has been a little bit off. So I think turnovers are the number one thing here. Um, and Uh, The number two thing is Jared Goff. If Jared Goff comes into this game and he looks comfortable and is, and is completing his passes, um, he's hitting those slant routes. He's hitting the, he's like the intermediate 15 to 25 yard guy. Like if he's hitting in that range and he looks comfortable, the Seahawks have not proven that they can beat this team when, when Jared Goff is playing like that. Um, And they haven't proven that they can keep him from playing like that. Um, so I think those are the two things to me that, that are really going to determine this. So I think don't turn the ball over. If you can manage to get zero, zero turnovers, the Rams guys and gal, they've had a turnover in every single game this year. Their offense Mm -hmm. has turned the ball over at least once in every single game. So I think there's good reason to think that they might have another in this game. And if you can control the ball on your side, I think that gives the Seahawks a, a really decent shot to win. Um, Evan, you look like you had something you were going to say. No, I'm just fascinated by what you were saying. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. It's a rare, it's a rare occurrence. So I know, right? Well, you know, I'm hoping to get my Quandre Diggs pick six this week. I've been waiting all season for it. I just been sitting there. It's coming. I know it's coming. Well, now he's made the Pro Bowl, so he owes it to me. I think at this point. Well, so was... this is the perfect time to do it. It is. Yeah. And he's picked off Jared Goff before. Um, yeah, he is. I, I, I was a little surprised he was a pro bowler. He's been playing really well. We had, we talked about this in chat and Jeff and I agreed. You know, if you look at him, he's been actually been playing very well. You Recently. 
Yeah. Well, for like the last six games, like he's actually played pretty well. And so that's, I don't know. I'm not really surprised. I also think that as we talked about the pro bowl is often a bit of a popularity contest, which I think most people understand and, and that sort of thing. But I think that the nice thing about Diggs is we saw the impact he made so quickly when he first joined the team Mm -hmm. and that now with Dunlap being who he is and Jamal Adams being who he is, maybe that it's getting muddled a little bit, but I still think that he's playing well. well. Yeah. It's interesting because you say it is a popularity contest in many cases. I haven't thought of Quandre Diggs as being like the people's champ. Like, I think Seahawks I don't know if most like NFL him. fans even know who he is. Yeah, I think Seahawks. He talks a lot of shit on Twitter, especially <laughs> yeah. to Tyler Lockett, and it is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. might. He actually might have the best Twitter game outside of DK Metcalf on the Seahawks. Yeah. Any other um, Pro Bowl thoughts? Uh, Seahawks have seven <laughs> Pro Bowlers, and we could Tyler... really argue that they should have a couple more. And and at least Dixon and Myers have really strong. Was case. it was it Tyler Ott that got into the Pro Bowl? Tyler Ott got in. So was he the one that we saw his ass like in the locker room? I think it ended up being confirmed that that was Ott. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a flashback to that. <laughs> Let's not you know, talk about our private chats. Yeah. Uh, so that was like that was like huge on Seahawks Twitter like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So here, let, if I can just interject about the Pro Bowl a little bit. So I've been lucky enough to cover the Pro Bowl the last two years. I've gone down to Orlando and really um, had a great time down there. And I know that um, you know the Pro Bowl is considered a joke and everything, but I didn't get to be there for the whole week of practices and and um, I know that monetarily contracts hall of fame that stuff the pro bowls really do matter to these players but i think they have a really good time too and so the fact well i know that they have a really good time i i i interviewed and they they love they love being there it's it's a lot of fun i'm interested though i was going to ask you guys this in chat but i'm going to ask you guys now so they changed the format this year obviously there's not going to be a game they're not the one year seattle has seven players to go on i won't get to go interview them but um, I think that, you know, they're doing all these virtuals and there's Madden and there's games and there's this and there's that, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm curious if you think people will actually tune in more for that than they will, than they do for the actual game, because it's going to be a lot more interactive friendly. I mean, the fans won't get to go watch practices, which they get to do now, but I think the players are going to have a lot of fun with it because it's all virtual. It's safe. But it's also games and it'll be everything will be on the television all the time. I don't know. I think that there could be a change in the pro bowl in the future because of what happened with COVID this year. Brian, I feel like you have just a huge boomer take your, your <laughs> dying to let loose here. I'm no boomer. I'm old. You were given like the heartburn face. Yeah, like, and everything. God, disgusting. I, I, I think it's just funny. I, I was basically going to say, I, I can't speak for other fans, um, but if I'm any indication, of whatever generation i'd like to think gen x uh yeah. but uh i don't watch the pro bowl and i might tune so into fun. this so yeah. i don't think i'll watch it like i won't like dvr it and like like watch i won't make sure i'm there for it but if i happen to be home and it happens to be on i will probably turn it on for a little bit and see just for the no- novel aspect if it's entertaining yeah, I, I like, I, I'm the same way. Like, I, I'm not going to go out of my way. I, I never watched the Pro Bowl or anything like that. I, and I'm not going to go out of my way to watch now. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this either. But uh, anything that gives 
the players more of a chance to kind of bring out their personality, mm-hmm. uh, take their helmets off and, and be people and, and get to know them that way. To me, that is much more compelling, right? And so um, hopefully hopefully they do it real well and, and it's interesting and, and you do get that aspect from it. And then, yeah, hopefully that'll they'll continue aspects of it at least, right, yeah. uh, in the future. I think that that's, that's one thing because if you're there during the week and during practices and at the ball, you get to see so much of the personality of players, even the fans who line the field because they spend so little time actually practicing and they're just wandering around and they're signing stuff and they're laughing. And that is the first time I ever saw Russell Wilson start throwing to Adam Thielen. And I was like, how do we get Adam Thielen in Seattle? Because those were the nicest balls I've ever seen. They were having so much fun, but they have such a good time. So I think you're right. The personality aspect, if you're there for the Pro Bowl, you get to see, but on television, of course, you don't see any of yeah. it. So so it could be a lot of fun this year. All right. But Michael Dixon and, and Jason, Jason Myers should both be there. Yeah. That, that was for you, Evan. It's hard. Hey, Evan, out of curiosity... So Jason Myers doesn't make the Pro Bowl. I know you're heartbroken. Uh, Young Hoku does make the Pro Bowl. Do you uh, happen to know off the top of your head how much that Pro Bowl kicker is making? I can't tell if this is a trick question, but I can look and I'll have an answer for you in about 10 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you do some homework on that and just see how much how, how much less Seattle could have spent on a kicker to get a Pro Bowl performance out of it? Uh, the website's bugging out, you know, <laughs> 400 timeout. Yeah, it's not working. Atlanta signed into a two-year $1.3 million deal last year. So like less than half of what Myers makes every year, right? Yeah. yeah. Jason Myers is a god, Evan. Don't let that go. Hold it tight. I, you got it. <laughs> it. It just sounds like Nathan hates successful people. And when they make a lot of money, you know, he gets upset at them. So I just like my team to be fiscally responsible is all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it uh it's a good time to remind folks you haven't already uh smash that like button the thumbs up on the the video and uh uh subscribe and click that click the little bell to get notified when we go live we're heading into the playoff season there will be playoffs um you never know when we will go live and when there'll be news we need to cover um and also go over to patreon.com slash hawk blogger join um give it as a gift you still got a few days left it's a great gift for the holidays and give them a year it's only like five bucks to get in so it's, it's super affordable to get right into our slack channel um and one of the things that we went live on guys that we got new news on today was we were excited when josh gordon was reinstated we're all excited about that and I don't know that our expectations were like out of whack with what it meant, but it's like, Hey, David Moore has been kind of lately. And Josh Gordon is pretty talented. That would be kind of nice to spice up the, the offense. And then we find out today he had a setback uh, with substance of some sort and um, don't know. Um, he will not be playing this week. He's not even allowed to practice this week, but that's as much as we know. So Dana, you know, I'm curious. I heard Pete Carroll's press conference. I think you did as well. What was your interpretation of how Pete talked about, um, we'll, we'll have to revisit this next week. What do you think that meant? So I've heard some conflicting reports. I, I've heard that he is um, once again banned from the NFL, can't come back. But obviously that's not true because then Pete said he can still do workouts and go to team meetings. He's still part of the team. 
um, and that they were going to revisit it next week, which then some interpreted that as meaning it was just some something little and it wasn't like a complete failed drug test. But then someone else said, no, he did fail another drug test, which doesn't make sense because then he would be out for the season again. So I think there's some conf conflicting information there. But what we know is that we don't know and that it seems that Seattle is not giving up on Josh Gordon at all. Um, my heart hurts for the kid. And they, maybe that's just the mom and me. I, I'm not really sure, but it's like just there's always something in his way. And most of the time it's his own self. But until we know more, until we know really what it is, it is the fact that he just will not be playing. I don't know. Maybe we'll get him back for the playoffs. I, I don't know if they get it figured out. But it seems very odd to me. The NFL let him go through all these motions and let him get completely ready to play. And then for the team to announce he was going to play. And then today on Wednesday, say that he wasn't going to be available. As far as letting the Seahawks cut a player to add him to the roster. Yeah, it, like, there's what, something off there. Where's the order of operations here? Mm -hmm. it seems yeah. weird. I mean, I don't want to take the attention away from Josh Gordon. Clearly still has a problem, not a shock. Maybe. I got to say, if it's for weed, I'm like, come on. Like, they've made that not a big deal. If it's for something else, then whatever. But even if it is for weed, like, dude, you have to fit past one test. Mm -hmm. Just get your job done. Um, I don't know. Uh, Evan or Nathan, if you guys had anything else before we take some patron questions on the Josh Gordon news. Just bummed and really sad about it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, obviously football comes second here. Um, the only comment that really just sort of threw me into confusion was the Pete Carroll comment of we're going to reevaluate this next week because you would think if he, if he failed a test, would he not be immediately mm -hmm. uh, suspended again? So is it possible that it was a false positive test? I'm completely speculating here. I have no idea. What yeah. Was it? it? Yeah. What, what sort, I guess my question is what situation had to have occurred for the NFL to uninstate him conditionally and also give Pete Carroll, you know, the sort of not confidence, but willingness to say, we'll look at it next week. That just seems super weird yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you my interpretation listening to Pete is that he basically kept saying over and over again, that he cannot comment on this situation. And I think there's a better than even chance when he was saying, we'll look at this again next week was we're not going to talk about it anymore this week. We're not going to have any more information. It could be. And so I, I think there is some hope that he said that, but I think there's just as much chance that he was just basically saying, you know, you'll get the news next week, not now. Um, and so I'm not holding out a bunch of hope, but it's super disappointing. I really, really was looking forward to seeing him play, Nathan. Um, you know, uh, if you have any comments before you uh, kick us off some patron questions, feel free. No, not really. I mean, I think, uh, you know, hopefully he gets right. Hopefully he gets a chance to play again. That, that's all bummer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the right expectation is for Josh Gordon. I think it's probably not very high, you know, from a, a, what he can contribute to this team. But I think the team needs, you know, some help at that position right now. I mean, they're really running with two guys and it's kind of questionable how hockey, uh, how healthy Lockett is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he could have potentially made an impact here. So 
Um, obviously, you know, you want the guy's personal life, whatever it might be. And, and, you know, just him being able to work and, and get back on a field and earn a living and all that, um, that stuff comes first, but, uh, yeah, it's a bummer for the team too. I want to say one more thing though. If I, if you guys don't mind, if I add this, if we do find out it's something stupid, like if it's just weed or some procedural crap and they kept him off the field for that, but Antonio Brown is still playing, I, I will loudly lose my shit on Twitter. I'm not going to lie because it's just infuriating that a kid like that, who is, you know, in his own way, but something as simple as weed, I, I, I don't, this, that's the one of the few areas in the NFL that I have a major problem with. Yeah. That was my immediate reaction too when the mm-hmm. news first broke. And I think the whole, the, the thing that does give me hope is that like, yeah, like clearly something that the Seahawks were so confident in this, that they cut a play. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, that's so bizarre. Um, and, and if it does come out that like it's something small, I, the NFL almost feels like uh, who knows right now. I mean, the guy has failed a lot of drug tests. Right? He Fair. he has a problem in that respect, and so it's very possible that he just messed up again, right? But um, the NFL seems to be behaving kind of questionably on this whole thing. I don't know. Agreed. All right, uh, Nathan, can you uh, hit us with some patron questions for uh, our lovely patrons over in the Slack channel? Sure. So we didn't prepare. So the first one I'm going to throw out here and let you guys marinate on it for a minute. Um, it's from Stensig. It's kind of creative. I, I kind of like it. Uh, Tis the season for giving. So if you could give, uh, if you could pick a player or, or coach, oh my gosh, I can't talk. If you could pick a player or coach on the team and give them a gift, what would it be and why? Uh Super Bowl, Super Bowl ring not included. So think on that for a minute. Um, uh, okay, uh, Brian, this one's for you because I, I think you've maybe put the most thought into this, but Dana, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on this as well. Um, from Braxton Kendall, uh, obviously a lot of logistical changes that have happened in the NFL due to COVID. Um, what changes, any, if any, would you like to see carried over into next season, assuming COVID's no longer an issue at that point? For me, the big thing is the IR changes. Ah, great one. That's been mm-hmm. great, I think. You said logistical, so that, 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 mm-hmm. that threw me. But yes, there's yeah. rule changes. I don't know if that counts that. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything else that I can think of that should carry over, but getting players, you know, freeing up roster spots and be able to bring players back quickly when they're healthy, I think that's just good for the league and the quality of play and everything. Yeah, did they alter practice squad? Mm-hmm. They expanded it. As well? Yeah, and you can like have vets on the practice squad and stuff, right? They did that with snacks for a while. Is that just COVID specific, or is, mm-hmm. is that expected? Because I mean, that to me is like, yeah, hell yeah! Like, mm-hmm. I think that's been that's been really interesting to see how teams have used the the practice squad. Um, and it's worked well for the whole league. It's not like it benefited just one team. It's it's right. worked well for everyone. I think that's a good one. I kind of like this one just came out this week with the hiring of coaches um, where they are allowing coaches to be interviewed. Um, even if their season isn't done yet, you know, they, they've altered how the, you know, teams. And I always thought that that was interesting because sometimes the best coaches are assistants that are on a Super Bowl team. And so they, you know, they get pushed back to the end and they can't interview. Teams can still say no at that point, but I think a lot of, of teams would allow that. So I think that that was kind of a logical addition too. Uh, okay, Evan, I got one here for you. Uh, 
Michael Dixon. Uh, this is from Z Ray. Uh, Michael J- uh, Dixon just won his second NFC Special Teams Player of the Week this season. Uh, if you could choose to keep only one, would you choose Michael Dixon or Jason Myers? Jason Myers, without a doubt, his his job is way more difficult. Uh, is there any other opposing uh, viewpoints on that one? Anybody else feel strongly? Did you expect a different answer? I mean, Michael Dixon is way more valuable. He's way more valuable. Way, way, way more valuable. Dixon Michael is way more Dixon? valuable and better. Yeah. Yeah. How's he way more valuable? He's not scoring points. No, oh, Evan. And, if, and, if, and, 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 and hey, Mr. Analytics, uh, football teams should rarely be punting, right? So his position should be fairly unimportant. Yeah, right? but what we have in the way of puntalytics, uh, they love Michael Dixon. And, and they good. apparently show uh, punters to be pretty valuable, even though you should be punting much less than, than teams do. You still punt, and the, yeah. the field position changes you get are. Seahawks important. could sign John Ryan tomorrow. And he would be 75% of what Michael Dixon is. Oh, come on. That's not insane. That's not oh. crazy. I mean, he did play last year in Canadian Football League. So, I, I mean, it's not like he's uh, out of shape. But. The John Ryan, like John Ryan and Sarah Clona, like I love him to death. <laughs> My favorite. People, but like he was done four years ago, mm-hmm. like before, before he left. Like he was not a good punter for a while. So that that's to say he's he would be like seventy five percent of who is if not the best the second I mean, best player in football. Dixon has had really bad stretches too, though. Not this year, but last year, year he did. He did. He did last year. Um, like there were stretches where we were like, "Do we need to consider drafting a punter?" No, there was. Yes, there were. Like yes, there, there were. were. <laughs> like in the Evan Hill world of <laughs> roster management, there were those types of questions, but nowhere where sane people were thinking it, it was that thought entering. The answer to the question is Jason Myers, without hesitation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know why I am surprised by that, but I somehow uh, am. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, here we go. From Bo Crescetto. Uh, wants to know, now that we've seen the Hawks' offense pass really well in the early season and run really well in the last few weeks, what does an ideal offensive game plan look like against the Rams, in your opinion? I, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, I don't know if we've talked about it directly, but, like, Brian, what, what do you actually, you know, we're talking about, like, run pass splits here, I suppose, primarily. What, what do you want to see Seattle do? against the Rams this week. Yeah, before I answer that, I need to make one more comment about Michael Dixon. Um, one of the things that makes him better than Jason Myers is the fact that the YouTube chat almost always censors out any comment that has the word Dixon in it. Um, that alone makes him more valuable than, than Jason Myers. But do you get nothing? Does, is it just Michael and then a bunch of stars or is it Michael four stars? <laughs> it shows and then it is held for review a lot of times. Oh. Um, especially when they write something like Big Dixon Energy, that, that specifically <laughs> always gets held. Um, but yeah, I, I um, <laughs> and there goes a couple more. <laughs> I <laughs> saw that too. <laughs> the chat, you, you want to know a way to make Brian laugh at any moment during a show? Just make a super fucking dirty joke in the chat. Automatic 100% hit rate. Every single time. I am a 12-year-old boy. Uh, so uh, what kind of offensive game plan? Um, this has got to be the game where they, 
can I answer this one and the question about what we want to give the, because it's related? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the present I would want to give is I would want to give yoga lessons. I, not myself. I would not want to be the instructor. I would want to gift like, yoga lessons <laughs> to Brian Schottenheimer so that he can be more flexible in the games. Well like this is the game to come out with what a, I don't care if they come out deciding, you know what? I would actually love for them to come out first play of the game, throw a slant and go throw a sluggo DK Metcalf on Jalen Ramsey and test him deep. Do it right away. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them testing deep, but then if it's not working, like mix in some short plays, mix in some screens, run the ball. Like I want to see them utilize the weapons they've got and find the weaknesses in the defense. And, you know, uh, maybe that's not exactly the answer this person Bo is looking for, but um, uh, I don't think there's one way that they need to attack this defense. I really don't. I think they just need to find what's working and not just stick with what's not. You know, I assume that you want to see them come out and like wing T uh, run 95% of the time. Right? I'm, thinking in 90, I'm thinking 95, five is probably the most logical here. Right. No, you know, 60, 40 split easy. No, I think Brian is absolutely right. It, but I will say this, they need to see what works per quarter instead of waiting forever. The end of each quarter, what works? Let's change it up and let's not wait because I will still never forget him saying we didn't adjust early enough. Right. That's your job. I know what gift I would give. Yeah, I have a good gift, too. Go ahead. Go go for it, Evan. August 20th, 1920. (laughs) The NFL was born. Since then, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of football games have been played. I would perform and initiate a deep dive analytical research into all the points that Andy Reid has scored in the first half of football games. I would then proceed to print out said box charts of those games going back however many years Andy Reid has coached. I would print out all those box charts and then I would mail them to Pete Carroll showing all the times the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have won football games in the first and second quarter. You know, they've come from behind a lot this year, right? Nope. That doesn't happen. Never. Not <laughs> existent. Oh, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chiefs know. can't, chief fans can't remember any like momentous, like huge memorable. <laughs> never been intercepted either. Never. Come from behinds or anything like that. That doesn't, that's never happened for them. <laughs> Dana, what do you got? Well, uh, mine is not near as clever or as, you know, as Evan or, or Brian's. Um, I was just going to say, and this is just a softy thing. I would give KJ Wright a Pro Bowl. My heart just hurts for him when he was not given the Pro Bowl. He's only been once in his whole career. And I think that he deserves a little bit more. I know Bobby Wagner talked about it today, but honest to God, when I read that list, that was the first thing I thought of that his best year of his career. And because of name recognition, which is all it comes down to, he did not get chosen. So I would give that to him. You know who, we won't go into a whole thing of snubs, but the Rams, I mean, the Rams only got two, two. And so players. Did the Cardinals. They got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Darius Williams, who's been better than Ramsey, did not make the Pro Bowl. Like, that's crazy to me. And I think only two rookies in the entire league made it this year. Some crazy low number like that. Yeah. It was a weird year for voting. All right. You got more for us, Nathan? That's all I got. All right. 
So um, before we talk about predictions for this game, um, I do want to ask you guys, um, I, I was, I was reflecting on this a little bit and this might just be a me thing and it's okay if this totally flops, you know, I will enjoy just uh, talking about it myself for a little bit. Um, you guys know, I got pretty, pretty frustrated with the team a few weeks ago. Um, that, that has not gone away, but occurred to me over the last couple of weeks that one of the things that has made this season hard for me is the COVID stuff. Like my weekly routine, I don't go to games anymore. Like, uh, you know, I don't go to games. I don't go to pregame. I see one of my best friends every week for pregame. We get nachos, we get drinks, we have crazy conversations about all sorts of things. We watch the early games and the game itself is like great, but it's not the only thing I look forward to every week. And it's not the only thing that I care about relative to, to football. Um, it's, I also at the games, I get to like find other random people that I've never met and high five them and hug them and do all sorts of crazy, like jumping around things. And like the experience of this season has just been muted for me. And so when you've got that and you've got the team doing things that the Seahawks have done to us, they've done us dirty this year. Um, then it's made it, I think a little amplified for me. And, and I was just curious for each of you, like, how has this season been for you as a fan? Um, you know, COVID, COVID changes. Like, how has it been for you as a fan? And, and Evan, if you wouldn't mind, maybe uh, lead us off. Absolutely do not start with me, actually. Let's start with Nathan. <laughs> Nathan yeah, or Dana, so... which one of you would like to start? I can go, go ahead, first. Nathan. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I have a, a similar thing. So I, I, me and my best friend, we hang out, you know, every week and watch the game together um you know alternate houses and stuff um and so you know obviously with covid you know uh I, I don't get to see him like at all now right and so that that sucks and that makes the sundays a little bit more painful that way like oh this is normally a time i would get to see people right um and so that part has has sucked um and i think it's just taken my focus away a little bit like it's just a little bit hard to care about as much just with everything else going on right um uh so there's definitely that aspect of it uh i would say though that like the silver lining i guess for me is uh my my wife has kind of replaced my friend on that uh and so we've been watching games a lot more together um she always kind of pays attention but like this year i've noticed she's really gotten into like watching it um uh, making it and she's just gotten more into it right uh and so that part's been really cool so that's something that you know we've never like really shared before and we have that more than we have in the past so uh obviously just tons of negatives with the covid stuff right and football's kind of the least of a lot of it uh but that aspect of it has been really cool for me yeah dana i, I drove into seattle today mm -hmm. the first time i honestly can't remember the last time i did it it's been months and i saw CenturyLink field or what is it now lumen field lumen yeah for the first time in months i was like I'm used to driving past that on my way to work. And I think about it like before, like big weeks, like this week, like when you're about to like have a division title on the line and it kind of gets you excited. And, and it was like a foreign, foreign city mm -hmm. practically now. For so sure. it's, it's very odd. Um, how about, how has it changed for you? 
Well, it's, it's different for me, I think, for than for you guys. So first of all, Nathan, there's a great t-shirt out there. It's a Seahawks logo underneath of it. It says, I married into this. I got one for my husband and he wore it when we went to the Saints game against Seattle over Halloween a few years ago and everyone loved it. So she needs to get her one of those shirts for sure because I'm the football fam in our family. And so, you know, we're kind of in that same boat. So here's the difference. I live in Kansas city. I haven't lived in Seattle for 20 years now. And, but I've been a Seahawks fan my entire life. Um, and so it's different for me because I wasn't there for game day all the time. We would go to Seattle once a year to watch a game. And I loved those games. I loved being around people in the same jerseys that I had because most of the time we go to two to three away games a year, especially if they're in the Midwest. And so it's just a different atmosphere when you go to those. If anyone ever wants me to give you a list of the best places to go to an away game, I will do that because there's a lot of fun places out there um, that aren't assholes to you <laughs> during the game. So that's nice. But for me, I think the biggest change um, is actually what something that you mentioned, Brian, it's what we're seeing on the field, because if it's affecting us this much, imagine how it's affecting those players not having the home field advantage, not having the fans in the stands. And, um, and I, I think we're seeing that on the field with the higher scores and that sort of thing. But for me personally, I do miss those travel. I miss running into people. I miss meeting people like mommy and all these other people that, you know, on Twitter, but then, you know, you get to meet in person. Um, and so it's, while it's not a weekly thing for me, um, I, I do miss that. I, I miss those game day rituals that I get to have you know, a few times a year. So yeah, Evan, I mean, Dana brings up a great point. It's not just the home games. I travel to at least one game mm -hmm. a year and you and I probably would have been breaking nachos and, and, and margaritas together down in Arizona, uh, you know, if not the whole crew, um, another di difference, but, but how about you? Um, how, how's the season been different for you with the, the COVID stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really what you just said, Brian, and, and what you just said, Dana, like it's made me more grateful for those experiences where I'm not the fan that goes to every game, but I'm the fan who plans like uh, to go to one really good away game typically, or, or in my case now one home game in Arizona. So yeah, I mean, we, you know, what's, what's a bummer about our situation is, you know, we had a whole group plan to fly out here and like stay at our house and, you know, go to the game together and everything like that. And, um, it's just made me more grateful for those moments because that's what I feel like mm -hmm. not to get super deep here, but like that, that's what I hurt the most about from 2020 is like the theft of our experiences, you know, whether it's marriages, weddings. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's weddings, marriages, birthdays, you know, graduations, going to football games, just going to a dumb football game. It's made me really, really grateful for those moments just because guys like we're here we're all friends through Twitter that mm -hmm. met in person and then became friends. Like we just didn't get that this year and that mm -hmm. sucks. And it's just made me more grateful for those friendships and those, and those experiences. Yeah. Well said. Um, so thank you for joining a, this very special edition of real Hawk talk um, <laughs> as we, we discuss our feelings, but, but uh, I, I did want to delve into that just, it has been, it, we've been through it and it's been a little bit crazy. Um, how much, how much it changes the experience, um, you know, watching it solo and watching it alone. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I was going to get us right into predictions. Can I ask one more question about this game? Yeah. Evan, are you going to, can you handle one more question before we get into predictions? I have not been able to sleep 
like for a week straight. So I've been up to like 2 a.m. every night. So oh, I am, I am, I am. Yeah. Oh, good. It's going great. <laughs> I, I'm glad for you about that. Um, so, so this, this is going to be a tough one. Um, I think we would all agree that Sean McVeigh has an advantage over Ken Norton Jr. And that I think we would all agree that stay uh, that yeah, Staley has an advantage over Schottenheimer. I don't know. But my question for this group is of those two matchups, those coaching matchups, which is more likely that this that that Ken Norton is going to outcoach his counterpart, you know, his opponent, or that Brian Schottenheimer is going to outcoach his? Which do you think is more likely? And Nathan, I'm going to start with you. And you have to pick one. This is tough. I, I think uh, I think Staley is going to be a big deal. Um, so, like, obviously, I think the obvious one is to say, you know, Norton's going to have a harder time with McVeigh. Uh, um, I, I'll, I'll say... I'll, uh, I don't remember which way the question is supposed to go now. I'll say that Shoddy has the better chance. Wow. Uh, just because I th- there's there's a part of me that is holding out hope that Seattle is has just been carpet bagging for a few weeks. Uh, that they're just or sandbagging. I think it's yeah, maybe not carpet bagging. Yeah. They're not they're not robbing from the south or whatever. No. Um, <laughs> sandbagging. Um, uh, and maybe maybe Shadi's got a bunch of stuff up his sleeve that he's gonna unleash this week. Um, and then you know I think it goes the other way for Norton. Um, Norton has a, a lot of tape available to him about what the Rams are and like to do, right? Um, so I think if there's gonna be any kind of like a uh, like a surprise or anything, I think Shadi is more likely to to have it than Norton at this point. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that made sense. I don't know. I think it's tough. That's that, that's a there. It's pretty. It's pretty even for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan, I'm really surprised you didn't go with Ken Norton. Mm-hmm. Like I may have, deep. I may have talked. I may have made both arguments there. I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you did that like big brain energy meme for a second. No, I think I don't think that was big brain. <laughs> I just the defense has been playing really well. Uh, the Rams are without their starting running back. Is it, I mean, would you be, sh- let me, let me pose you guys a question. Would you be shocked if the Seahawks defense held the Rams to 17 points or less on Sunday? Shocked? Shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. No, I would not be shocked. I'm, I'm almost expecting it, mm-hmm. frankly. I really am. I, I, I'm not scared of Jared Goff. I think this pass rush is coming alive at the perfect time in the secondary is, uh, I feel like domino effect um, uh, benefiting from that a little bit. I, I think that I'm, I'm not 100% bought into the secondary yet, but I think they are benefiting from our improved pass rush. So my answer is Ken Norton. Dana. Yeah, I kind of, I, this is a really hard question. Um, I, and so kudos to you for it. I, I agree, but I agree with Evan. I, I can see the defense with the way the Rams offense has been playing lately. I can see that defense being, being the better of that matchup. Um, I hope too, that 
like the rest of us, the Seahawks looked at that, you know, four or five game stretch and be like, mm, maybe we should just phone this in for a while and make sure nobody gets hurt. I don't know. I don't think that's probably what happened, but we can wish it was. But I think that I, I agree with Evan. I think it's going to be Ken Norton because that defense just seems to be clicking at the right time. Okay, I want I want an opportunity to rationalize what I said. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with the shoddy thing. I think shoddy has a chance to surprise and do something creative that will. Uh, and I guess where I was going with the, the Norton thing, they do have a lot of tape on McVeigh, uh, and that that hasn't helped them much to this point, right? Um, this defense has struggled at times with that Rams offense, so I don't know that there's going to be. Uh, I don't know what's going to change on that side of the ball. I guess is my thought. I, I really don't have a strong take on this either. No, way. I, I I think. Um... I think you made actually a really good mm-hmm. point there, Nathan. You're you're kind of backing away from it nervously, but but it, it's it's something that Pete Carroll that. has done um, in past years where they have held things back ahead of divisional opponent games. They've even held players back to some extent. And I mean, <laughs> last year they were, or was it two years ago? Whatever it was. They're like Earl Thomas. Like we're gonna wait until we see how we do against the Rams before we trade him. Like right? right, like crazy stuff. Like, um, but wasn't it the Cardinals? And then that was the game he broke his leg or whatever. Yep, they wanted to see how they did, or, or maybe no, it was, it was the, Rams the Rams. The, the Rams were the next week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was... So <laughs> dumb football teams. <laughs> get Pete Evan, I, I'm gonna be coming to you in a second to. To, to share your secret that you shared with us in chat. Um, so so be, be ready to, to talk about that in a second. Um, but I think that, like, for me, it was pretty clear that I would say the defense, that there's a better chance that the, that the defensive coaches would have a better chance of outcoaching their counterparts in this game. But I think you'd make a really good point. And I still think Shadi's a better coach for sure than Ken Norton. And so uh, he just has a much taller task um, I think is, is the reality. And so, you know, it would take a lot more. It would take, I mean, if he does look, would, would you guys all agree if the Seahawks score more than 25, that's the bar. If you score more than 25 against this defense, offensively, you score more than 25, not some defensive or special team scores. That would be really impressive. Like maybe not amazingly impressive, but that would be very encouraging to me. If, if they could score that many points to me, they can score 20 points against this defense. I think that that's the magic bar of when you're in winning territory. Um, the Rams are two and five when their opponents score 20 points or more this yeah. year. So um, anyway, I, I think if they can score 25 points or more, I would start getting more encouraged by the potential of this offense going into the playoffs. All right. Evan, speaking of how you're feeling about this team as they're going to the playoffs, mm-hmm. where's your head at? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Okay. After week six, the offense was on fire and the defense was on track to be one of the worst in NFL history. That's really not hyperbole. I know we had some disagreement over it last week, but the point is they're on track to being absolutely horrible. So we know what the offense is capable capable of. Since week seven, or I guess really week eight, this defense has improved. Now, I do have some questions and some concerns about how they'll perform against quality, quality offenses. But with that said, they have performed. And they, you know, they're improving in, in all phases of the defense. 
if you had, if we could rewind back to week six and you could ask me right then and there, uh, well, let me rephrase that. What I remember we were having specific discussions around week six and it was on Twitter and on this podcast about, you know, this offense is amazing, but this defense is so catastrophically bad that, that I didn't believe they could win a Super Bowl with that defense. That the state of that defense through week six, I remember firmly believing we could probably pull up the receipts on this, that that defense was not capable of winning a Super Bowl. Since then, that defense has improved. So here we are. The offense has been shit for about six to seven weeks now. We're about to enter the playoffs in two weeks. We know what this offense is capable of. They're capable of being a top three offense, if not the number one offense in the NFL. We've seen what Russell Wilson has done this year. Yes, he sucked for a streak, but we've seen what they're capable of this year. If they can get over, you know, the hump and, and get a spark on offense, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a good offense again, good to great offense again, and a defense that has slowly, steadily improved over the course of the year. If they can get a spark on offense, that team, even if they're not near where they were offensively at the beginning of the year, I believe has a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than that team through, through six weeks. I do believe that. And I know there will be people who disagree, but I, that defense through the first six weeks, guys broke me. Like mm-hmm. I refused, I refused to believe. And I still refuse to believe it that if that defense had not improved, that if it was in the same state as, as, as it was after week six in that state today, there's a 0% chance, you know, any offense in the world could, could drag them to a Super Bowl. I refuse to believe it. So my, my optimism is riding on a spark from the offense. I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know if it can happen. All, all I'm saying is it needs to happen because if it does happen, they could go far. So I, I'm starting to have optimism flood my heart and soul just a little bit that they could make a deep playoff run if that happens. You're in a you're in a safe place, Evan. We will <laughs> we will we will do our best to protect your fragile heart. I can't say that you're going to get much more sleep as a result of this emotional <laughs> precarious position you put. I mean, do you disagree with me though? Like, no. the, like, would you take, like, if the if the offense can get a spark and they can become a top five, top ten offense again, somewhere in that range, not as good as they were before, but top five, top ten offense with the with the pairing of this current improved defense, would you take that team, this current team, or? that insane offense and catastrophically historically bad defense from week six. No, I, I think I would take this team. I, 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 it's hard though. I mean, that offense was really good and won them every one of those games. So it, it's not as clear cut to me, like having an elite unit sure. performing at the, at their peak, I think is a pretty useful thing to have. Let me dive a little bit deeper though. My, okay. my whole thinking in this scenario, Wild Evan scenario, is that the Seahawks meet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, okay? And if, if that week six Seahawks team meets the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I think they get blown out. I don't think they beat the Chiefs. But if, if they have a top, you know, but if, if, if this team, a top 10 offense with a much improved defense, you know, faces the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I think they have a legit shot. Nathan, you're shaking your head. 
I, I think you have to score a lot of points to beat the Chiefs, right, in most cases. And, and I don't think this defense is suddenly good enough to think that you're going to hold the Chiefs down in a range where, you know, 24 points is going to win you the game, right? Uh, obviously, you know, the you know if you go back to the early season that offense with this defense is better than that offense with that defense because that defense was much worse right but i I don't see this defense as so much better than it was that you like they still need like an a regular mvp level performance from russ in this passing game right or or whatever however they get to that level of efficiency right i i don't think that the offense can be that much worse with the improvements the defense has made. Um, so to me, it's still really about, um, you know, getting back something near that level, right? I, I, top 10 to me, offense isn't going to do it, right? You have to get top five. You, you probably really need to be top three to be really serious about a Super Bowl still at this point with the way the defense is. That's interesting. I, I've changed my, my perspective a little bit on, on whether it's how, like what ranking the offense or defense needs to be. Um, for the offense, for me, I think they don't need to be the top. What they need is they need some repeatable, sustainable offense. If they can find some, if they don't have bread and butter plays. Like they had one earlier in the year and they've had this same play for years where it's like a max protect Russell, like fakes a handoff and he rolls back and he looks deep and it's, goes great for a few weeks and it's a tire locket and DK are catching deep balls. And then it just stops working as they keep running it. Um, but that's the thing that's missing. Like, what is the, what is the, pl- like, what is the set of three plays that the Seahawks can run when the game's on the line and you can count on it. And even the 2005 Seahawks team, like if it was third and one, you knew where they were going to, what they were going to do. Their opponent knew what they were going to do. And it didn't friggin' matter. You're going to run behind Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson, and they were going to get the yardage. And it was, you, you had nothing you could do about it. And that's the thing. It's not necessarily even this big explosive stuff. It's like, to me, it should be like the slant to DK or, you know, you know, Greg Olson's coming back this week. Maybe it's a seam route to whatever it is. Like maybe it's, swing passes to Carson or some running play, but I just don't think that they have that bedrock that they can return to week in week out, regardless of opponent. And that's the thing I'm looking for from the offense more than scoring a bunch of points. Um, You know, and I, I think that's part of why they just stall is like, they just keep floundering around trying to figure out something that'll work because they don't know who they are. I think that's really what it comes down to. People talk about identity I think that's a little bit convenient of a term to throw around that they don't know their identity. I think really what that means is they don't know, <laughs> they don't know what works consistently um, and they don't return to it. Dana, I'm sure you feel positive about how the team's doing heading into the playoffs. I, I, do, I, I do because that's what I do, but I, I also don't ever look at 10 win season in the mouth, you know, gift horse in the mouth, you guys. I mean, I think that's a big part of it, but I, to your point, Brian, though, I was thinking, I, I have two points. The first one, to your point, I think that like those consistently, you know, plays that come back and forth, I do think some of that has to do with injury. You know, you, we have year after year where entire, you know, groups go out. I mean, we lost every running back last year, you know, so you can't have 
the consistency of Chris Carson with, on the three and one because he's not there all the time because he's always out. So I do think that that has, but that happens to every team. So, I mean, I get it. You have to adjust to it. But at the same time, I think that that does have something to do with it. My second point is I love that you guys are talking about the Chiefs so stinking much. It makes me think you haven't watched them play lately. And I watch every one of their games because I love the Chiefs, but they are not this golden god either. If you've watched their games lately, they have been struggling too. That defense has really been struggling. They're letting teams stay in the game and they're not winning until the fourth quarter either. And so while I think we all have these benchmarks of teams we want to be like or want your team to be more like, more consistent, you know, that sort of thing, I think we have to remember that the product that we have on the field, that Seattle has on the field, is something that other people envy too. And I think that's why I get to keep my positive attitude most of the time. But I will say this, and I have said it all from the get, the minute the playoffs start, it's all fresh again. Weird things happen in the playoff and people sometimes look terrible and they go out in the first round and sometimes they look great. And so I always get very optimistic coming to the playoffs because you truly never know what's going to happen. Okay, we are at that time. And we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Um, We are going to both make our prediction about the score. And we are also going to pick one Seahawk player. Not named Russell Wilson. Not named Bobby Wagner. um, Arguably not named Jamal Adams. But, but like, pick someone interesting. Show a little, show a little chutzpah as my people like to say, um, that you think is going to surprise people in this game and, and, and from a Seahawks perspective and have a, have a positive impact on the game. I'll go first to give you guys a chance to think a little bit. Um, I vacillated between predicting uh, Seahawks win 24 to nine, um, ended up thinking this is going to be closer. So I'm going with a Seahawks win of 24 to 17. And my player, who I think could have one play, one play, but enough to make an impact on this game, that will surprise people is Rashad Penny. <laughs> I, I don't know how I knew you were going there, but I knew I knew you were going to do it. I guess I it think- was the one play because the guy, like, maybe is good for one play. Like, maybe he busts maybe. loose and does something. I, okay. I, I think... Uh... I think there's a chance that, you know, in his scant carries that he is going to break out the way the Seahawks have been run blocking for two backs that are not big playbacks. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are not big playbacks. Carlos Hyde just ran 50 yards for a touchdown against a good run defense. Um, yeah. So I think Rashad Penny, who, by the way, made Evan tattoo his nipples the last time, one of the last times he played against the Rams, he's had a little history against the Rams. I don't know why, like all this, like I was just hit with a flood of embarrassment with the fact that I own a Rashad Penny jersey just now. <laughs> I know why. Like, like I years, know why you were years, hit with the flood years, of embarrassment. Years right of shame and guilt suddenly <laughs> just hit me. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. Just now. Strange. Yeah, well, that should happen far more often to you than it does to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love you, brother. Um, Dana, 
Well, I was going to say 24-17 Rashad Penny. So that's just a little annoying. Wait, really? so think, yeah, really? no, seriously, I'm like, it's going to be 24-17. And I think Penny, that. And the reason I was going to pick Rashad Penny is because of his speed. And I think that that is going to be a huge help against that defensive line. So if he gets, if he gets rolling, you know, Chris Carson's a different kind of running back. So he needs that speed sometimes. But I'll pick somebody else. So I'm going to say 2027, just to keep it easy and fun. I don't think either team's going over 30 points in this one. Um, I do think Seattle wins this game because I feel like the loss last year on that last game, and they just, I think that sat with them. So I think they're going to really fight for the division this year. Um, as for a player, um, uh, I, you know, I would love to say Tyler Lockett, but I do think that he's hurt. I think that there's something funky there. So I'm just going to go out of the blue and say, this is David Moore's redemption game. He is going to go out. He's going to get two touchdowns. He's going to look good because he heard you people talking crap about him and he didn't like it. Evan is, is, is I'm just saying, there. Evan, I, I, I love that pick just because of the damage it's doing to both David Moore is like Jermaine curse 2.0. Which I like Jermaine Curse. So Jermaine Curse has taken us to two Super Bowls. He, so yeah, he is either hot, greatest catch, or freezing cold. There's no, there's no in between whatsoever. And Russell targets him way too often. Well, he's going to be hot this week. Evan. He, might, and he might be. He might be. <laughs> Somewhere, Jeff Simmons is like his 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 ears are burning <laughs> at the, the David Moore conversation. Uh, Nathan, score and player. Well, this is a little tough for me because I'm predicting a loss here. I'm going to say 27-19 Rams. Um, uh, I'll I'll go with Greg Olson, though. Uh, Maybe he gets back and provides a little bit of a spark. Uh, But, I mean, I'm predicting them to score 19 points. So, Okay. I'm going to go 17-16. Mm. Seahawks oh. in a very low scoring game and I think uh, I think DJ Reed has a defensive touchdown I'm not saying it's a pick six it could be a, you know a fumble recovery and a and a touchdown but I think DJ Reed could have a really big game I'm looking forward to this post game show <laughs> I really am I'm not from like a health perspective we, we are going to learn a lot we are going to learn a lot about this team this week. And we're going to learn about, about the defense, about the offense, about the coaching, about their opponent, about their ceiling. I think we're going to learn a lot this week. And it doesn't mean it's going to be good but I'm looking forward to learning those things and uh, coming back on Sunday and, and talking with all of you about it. Yeah. I'm realizing that I lied uh, <laughs> last Sunday when we were talking about like where, because we were talking about whether the, the pop was too negative, the post game pop was too negative. A lot of people thought it was. Uh, and I, I think I had said that I was at, at the point where I, I I'm kind of checked out on this team. Now I kind of feel like I know what they are, that they're not going to win a super bowl. I don't really have hope in them winning a playoff game. And so I'm just going to enjoy the rest of these. Uh, I'm getting real stressed about this game and Which yeah. Means you care. I, you still what? Care. You still believe. It means you still believe if you're nervous. It means that, yeah. I do have hope. Mm-hmm. I do still have hope that this offense can get, I mean, cause I think that if they can, you know, 
win this game, and especially if they do it in any kind of convincing way, if the, if the offense looks good, then that's a huge boon for what it like. That's that's great for them. That's a great omen for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there is the also the other way, right? Like if they, you know, just lay another turd against this Rams team, um, I, I think there has to be some real serious questions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but th- then then you just know what you are. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, but I'm talking about like over at that point. Oh, you're, for sure. But I'm just talking about like wings and the halo, and you're floating away because it's over. Yeah, but but are. then we get right back into like, okay, what do you do with this team in the future, right? Like, the 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 the, the me comparing them to like the Memphis Grizzlies or the Portland Trailblazers of the, of the NFL, right? So like, do you start to talk about big shakeups and stuff? So hopefully they win and we avoid all that, and we can say, hey, look, the offense is back. They were sandbagging against some bad uh, NFC and AFC East teams, and you know, Super Bowl hopes are alive, but. Um, We'll see. Yeah, we will see. We will see. I, I will say the Rams, to me, the only team that is a tougher potential matchup in the playoffs. And it's a, to me, it's maybe a toss-up, but I still give the edge is Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That's sure. the only team that I think, like, man, I'd probably give the CX less of a chance of beating them than beating the Rams. But it's real close. And so if you win a game like this, I think you're basically making the statement that you can beat any team <clears throat> in the NFC um because you're gonna get the best you're gonna get the best of the rams let's not let's not kid around this isn't gonna be some like fluky win the rams just lost to the jets any chance of the rams being too high on themselves is over they're gonna be focused out to prove themselves you're gonna get the best of this team from the coaches from the players they have the division title on the line they're gonna have everything to play for if you beat them in that situation you have reason to to feel like okay you're building something and, and there's, there's reason to have hope. So who knows, who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I wish you could be watching it with uh, all of you, but uh, going to be excited to talk to you about it afterwards. And Can I just say one last thing. Yeah, absolutely. I am more excited about the Niners game than I am this Rams game. Oh, that's because everybody has to win it. <laughs> let me, no, let me tell you why we're going to curb stomp the shit out of the Niners <laughs> and I can't fucking wait. <laughs> I hate them. I hate their fans. I hate the faithful. I hate the bang, bang, wang gang. I hate all of them. They're horrible. They are. They are. Yeah, it, it, it would. It, it will be fun. It will be fun. Um, looking forward to getting through this one first. So uh, if you haven't already, click subscribe, like we're at like 91 likes, guys. Come on, nine more. We're at 100. That'd be great. Um, uh Click the little bell to get notified when we go live uh, and subscribe over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, if you haven't already subscribe on Spotify as well. So plenty of places to get the content as it comes out and uh, looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to seeing you all Sunday and until then go Hawks.